Well, good evening, one and all. I know you're expecting someone to be cute and pretty and everything to be up here. Didn't happen okay. I'm not going to apologise too much. At one stage, people thought I was cute too. Why are you laughing? It's true. I've got one photo to prove it. So guys, we're going to be uh, just reading from Matthew chapter 11, uh, be verses 25 to 30, and reading from the 211 NIV. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen, and may God bless that reading of his word. Well, guys, obviously we're continuing our series, and uh, I'm still a little bit confused about what we should be calling it, uh, whether it is actually surprising the world or bells. Do you have my PowerPoints, please? Thank you. Yep, that's... Okay. So surprising the world or bells. And uh, so far, we've, we've had that first week challenge where we had to bless um, three people. Uh, sorry, bless someone. And then uh, we had to eat with three people the following week. And um, last week, we were told to listen to the Spirit um, at least once. And tonight, we're going to be talking about... Oh, we're going to have one of those nights, are we? Learning about Jesus. And obviously, this is quite significant in our walk and things like that. But before we get into that, um, I'd just like to pause and pray. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it is alive and, Lord, it speaks to us each and every moment. And that's what we pray for tonight, Lord, that the truth of your word will be proclaimed, that we will hear your voice in the midst of what is said. And more than that, Lord, that there'll be something that stirs our hearts to apply this to our lives. And Lord, we'll want to be uh, changing things so we can be more like you would have us to be. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So the whole point of this series has been about helping you unpack a few basic principles that you can take and apply to your life, and that will make you more missional. That'll make you be talking more about Jesus in your workplace, living more like Jesus in your communities, and people will see that you are following Christ in your universities as well, just by the way you live and speak. And our desire for each and every one of you, is that you live in such a way that people who don't know Jesus will actually look at your life and question why you live that way. And you'll be prepared to give an answer for that. And you'll tell them it's about this new life you have in Christ. That's what we're hoping. Is it working? Oh, praise God, I've got one person who's working for. One's better than none. Thank you, Lord. But when we look through the New Testament... We see that Jesus and the disciples are emphasizing over and over again that faith and action cannot be separated. When we look at James 2.18, James 2.18 says, Show me your faith apart from works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. 
And what this is really saying is that our actions, what we do, what we say, and how we do both of these things is an expression or an outworking of the faith or the change that has already happened in our hearts and our minds. And our faith should not just be a confession. Our faith should not just be an act. Our faith should not just be a belief system. Our faith should not just be a single choice to do something. Our faith should be that life-forming habit. It should be something that changes us forever. It should permeate everything that we do and say. Faith, at its very core, changes our heart. So what comes out of our mouths and how we conduct ourselves is an outward expression of that change that has already happened. For this to be a reality in our lives, we need to be pursuing Jesus. We should have a desire to know him more and more. And not only knowledge, but as we learn from him, we should be applying those things to our lives. We should daily submit to him and all that he says. And what we do is not just about knowing Jesus, it's about learning and applying it. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus is willing to reveal himself to us. I love the way that Jesus speaks at the start of this passage that was read out just before. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus is praising the Father here because his word and plan of redemption has circumvented those who are wise in their own eyes, and the message is coming to those who receive like little children. And the comparison between those who are wise and understanding and little children is showing the contrast between those who are proud and arrogant and self-sufficient, peoples whose attitudes and actions show that they've rejected the basic principles and teachings of Jesus. And it compares them to those who are humble like children. And those who are humble see their need for Jesus and acknowledging that need, they open their hearts to him and they are changed. It is this act of humbling ourselves before God which opened our spiritual eyes and ears to see and hear Him. Jesus is praising the Father because of His sovereignty, His supreme power, His authority, and also because of this wise plan of redemption that He has, that all will receive His love and care in the same way as humble, repentant children. And of course, we need to respond to the invitation that has been given to us here in this chapter. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I don't know if you understand fully what is going on here. I know these guys are weary. And this is asking us, are you weary? Are you burdened with life? Is that true of your work? Is that true of your relationships? Is that true of your study? Is that true of your family? Is that true of your wife? Is it true of your husband? Is it true of your friendship group? Is it true of life itself? And I don't know if you're saying, yeah, you're burdened right now with those things. 
But I'll guarantee you, every one of you sitting here has been burdened at some time with those things. The seemingly mundane, day-to-day drudgery that each and every one of us face at times. And Jesus says, come to me. He says he'll be gentle with you. He'll take those burdens from you and he'll give you his yoke. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. When you are yoked to someone, you have to walk with them. You have no choice. And so when Jesus says to be yoked with him, he's going to walk with us. The yoke spoken of is our agreement to submit to Jesus and his authority. It's a yoke of discipleship to him, which declares freedom from the weariness and burden of mere religion. He doesn't give us a whole heap of laws to follow. We just need to follow him. It's an offer of rest in Jesus himself, because as his disciples being yoked to him, we will learn directly from him. And he tells us he is gentle and humble. So truly knowing Jesus gives us rest in each and every situation. Think about what we just taught all those kids at Kids Club. Even when God is good, sorry, even when life is good, God is good. But all through the struggles of life, God is good. And Jesus continues to give us rest. But how do we practically do that? How do we learn from Jesus? How do we know him more? Can I suggest that we study the Gospels? And I I can't tell you how many times I've actually read through the Gospels and studied the Gospels. In actual fact, it's totally irrelevant. Uh, In fact, I'm going um, back through the Gospels again now. I I usually read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John uh, as part of my morning devotions. And when I finish Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, get to the end of John, I go back to Matthew and I start again. So those of you who are receiving my text at the moment have uh, received them from the beginning of Mark and... um, you'll continue to get them from Mark until I get into Luke. But the thing is, it never gets old. It never grows stale. Those messages I send out to you are the things that God's spoken to me that morning. Actually, it's a very small part of what God has spoken to me that morning. And the Word is just new to me every day. Some of you experienced a little bit of that, and, and, and you know the truth of what I'm actually saying. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. It's a complete account of His time on this earth. And if you really want to know Jesus, then this is something we should commit to, reading the Gospels continuously. And please do not hear me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't read the rest of the Bible. I'm not saying you shouldn't read the Old Testament. In fact, I'd encourage you to read a chapter from the Old Testament, chapter from the Gospels, some of the Psalms, each and every day. And then get into the rest of the New Testament as well. But I really would encourage you to read the Gospels over and over so you get to know Jesus. Hebrews 1, 2, 1, 1 and 2 says, Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed to be heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. God has spoken to us by His Son. All of Scripture is inspired by God, but the account of Jesus is contained in the New Testament. It's contained in the four Gospels. And when we look at the account of Jesus' life contained in those Gospels, it reveals the heart of God. 
Jesus crossed social, religious, race, and class barriers to demonstrate to us that his message is available to all and that we should be looking with spiritual eyes to see all men and women as equal. We should be the same as Jesus. There should be no barriers before us when we look at others. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 emphasize that. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are called to be imitators of God. And if we dig deep into how Jesus lived while on this earth, we'll see how we should interact, how we should love, how we should care, how we should pray, and how we should live with others, the good, the bad, and the incredibly ugly. If we are those faithful people who take Jesus' teaching on board, then when we're faced with temptation, we'll remember it, his word that is. We'll remember his word. It'll come to mind and we'll be able to resist temptation. Psalm 119.11 says to us, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's true. If we do that, it seems easier to overcome sin. I'm not saying you'll always get it right, but if you recall God's word, it seems that we can resist temptation so much more. And obviously, there's so much more than that reading the Bible actually does for us. It allows us to know for certain uh, what God says. And as we read and apply scripture to our lives, it allows us to know God's will and desire for our life. We can discern his voice so much clearly. And then as we read, we get encouraged. We get courage, we get strength, we get power and of great importance to the kingdom, we become fruitful. We bring others into the kingdom. We draw people to him. So read all of scripture, but spend some time focusing on the gospels. It is truly life transforming. The gospels contain the message which first brought you into a right relationship with God. And as part of this, is getting to know Jesus, can also encourage you to read about Jesus. You know, there's so much material out there. There's plenty of things that we can read today. Um, everyone holding a sm- smartphone has access to bigger libraries anywhere on this earth. There is more information available to you than ever. How often do we use those devices to read about Jesus? Can I encourage you to do so? Plus... There's a whole heap of books out there which are available to read. And I'm going to give you a few suggestions, but some books speak more to one person, less to another. Um, The series that we're preaching on um, is based on Surprising the World by Michael Frost. And he suggests a couple of books, one called Jesus the Fool and uh, another one called Re-Jesus. He may be a little bit biased. He authored both those books. But uh, he then goes on to talk about a number of other books as well that we could read. Um, And if you want that list that he's provided, I'm more than happy to give that to you. Just send me an email. I'll flick that back to you. But there's a few books that have really spoken to me. And and one which was very significant, and uh, I know this will resonate with Pastor David, was a book called The Cross of Christ. It's by John Stott absolutely incredible book and uh, I've read it and reread it and read it again and uh, it just 
it is just a very, very powerful book, and uh, I'd suggest that if you can, read that. But again, please don't be disappointed if it doesn't resonate with you. So often something that resonates with me isn't going to resonate with you. Keep trying to find something that will help you. Uh, the Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey, another great book, and uh, I encourage you to read that. Uh, What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. Uh, I really appreciated that book in a very difficult period of my life. Uh, the Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Lots of people would resonate with that book and say that's a great book to read as well. Um, Cold Case Christianity is another one. But all of these books, you know, I, I encourage you after the service tonight, if there's a particular book that you've read that has spoken to you, please share that so, so people can get this material and read it. And so we've been giving you a challenge each week. It's no different tonight. I'd like, I'd like to do that, uh, give you another challenge this evening. And so the series that we've been working with is called Bells. And so we're up to the second L, which is learn about Jesus. And one of the best ways we can do this is to spend a chunk of time with God. And, and um, ideally, uh, that should be a day where you could just go off and you and God. And I know that sounds really way out and whacked for some of you people, so maybe, maybe you'll just have to start doing an hour or a couple of hours or three hours but set aside time where it's just going to be you and God you're going to turn the phones off you're not going to have anything to do with that you're going to take your Bible you're going to take a notepad and you're going to spend some time with God and uh, I remember when I was going through college it was a crazy crazy period for um, Elena and I um, I think we moved houses three times in those three years. We had a child two weeks into my studies. Um, we moved from one church to another. I was working. I was looking after the kids at home. Elena was working. And um, I had to study full-time as well. And it just seemed like we didn't have enough time for anything. We, we, we got to do our morning devotions and things like that. But actually spending chunks of time with God just uh, wasn't on my radar at all. And then... Um, well, I did my week of E at uh, Bridgman Downs and uh, one of the things we had to do was actually go away with a chapter of scripture and we weren't allowed to talk to anyone. We weren't allowed to interact with them. You know, it was one of those cases where you bowed your head if you're walking towards someone who was also part of week of E. And, and so I sat down with this passage of scripture and I thought, wow, what's God going to say to me here? Lord, please, please open this up to me. Speak, speak to me. Because I'd read through it and I'd got nothing. So I read through it again and then all this stuff started to flow. And I wrote pages upon pages of stuff that God was telling me from that passage of Scripture just because I was willing to wait there. And I tell you what, that's been a catalyst for me to actually, uh, one day a month, I do try and go away and have a personal quiet time with God, just a day committed and dedicated to Him. And uh, when we look at Scripture, we need to think about how Jesus lived His life. He's the greatest example that we can follow. And Luke 5.16 and many other places says that He often withdrew to solitary places, desolate places, and he prayed there. This is someone who was in perfect communion with God, someone who knew God's will, and yet he spent time with God. He wanted to know God's plans and purposes. And if Jesus did that, we should be doing it a whole heap more, a whole heap more. And so there's a need for us to withdraw as well. We're living in a day and an age where there's so many things that demand our time. And I remember as I was growing up, um, you know, I've, I've got a few years on most of you guys, but when I was younger and at school, they told us that all the new technology and everything that we were going to have was going to free up so much time for us. We were going to have so much leisure time. It'd be great. We'd spend more time with our families and things like that. Has that worked out to be true? 
The technology that we have keeps us busier than we ever have been before. And the problem is we're busy with stuff that means absolutely nothing in the big scheme of things. So much of it is worthless. The busyness does not produce anything that is beneficial to us. And getting away from it all and spending time and connecting with God in His Word and praying is going to be so much more beneficial. So much more beneficial. But the thing is, as we do it, we have to have the right attitude as we head out. We need to have the right approach as we do that. And think about this. Some of you think I'm going to go, I'm going stark raving mad. But when we, when we go to spend time with God, we don't do it to please God. That's not a good reason to do this. We don't do it so that we can have a better day. We don't do it because we should do it. We don't do it because the pastor stood at the front of the church at the 6.30 service and said we should do it. We don't do it because we believe God will zap us if we don't. It isn't even to learn more about God. That's not why we do it. It's about knowing God. It's about worshipping Him. It's about experiencing His presence. It's about coming to a place, being found there when we can't help but being praise and honour and thanks to Him because of who He is. And so we have to have the right place and the right time. You need to be alone. You need to be undistracted by people, by noises, by other interruptions. And for some people, they need to get somewhere where they can pray out loud, sing out loud, without being self-conscious, without being aware of people around them. And so there's a few suggestions that I'd like to give you. I'm happy to send you some information again. Please email me. I think we should start with prayer. When we get out on our own, find yourself a place. I, I usually like being by the water, so I do head back to Cleveland or somewhere around there. And uh, there's a, one particular table. No one ever goes there. I sit right by the water. It's a great place for me. But when, when you come to wherever you're going to spend this time with God, ask God to remove any hindrance that there is for you to have fellowship with him. Focus on his presence by reading through a passage of, say, Psalm 139 or something like that. Spend some time praising and thanking him. And again, think about some of the Psalms, 103, 111, 145, just where you can come in praise and worship to him. Thank him for all he's done. Ask him to bring to mind the things that he has done. God is incredibly good and he's always doing things in your life. Ask God to speak and help you to hear, to reveal more of himself to you and ask him for the willingness to do what he shows you. Ask for a disciplined, sharp mind and ask for a supernatural, excellent time of interaction with him. And then we need to spend time in the Word. I think you should be relaxed and flexible with this. Don't be too structured. Again, maybe read some Psalms, some Old Testament passages, and then some of the life of Christ, and just see what resonates with you. Read and meditate upon it. Have an attitude of prayer. And pray the meaningful passages back to God. You know, when I'm having difficulty praying, uh, when I don't know what to pray, I often open the Psalms and just start praying those to God 
And he speaks very, very clearly at those times. And as you do that, be aware of what God's saying. Write it down. Meditate upon it. Ask God to expand on it if you don't fully understand some of the stuff that he's saying. And then as you wrap up, again, whoops, I've missed one. Pray. Pray again. Thank God for the time in his word. Thank him for everything that he's shown you. Pray through some of the scriptures that you've read again. If you want to sing or whatever, just do that. And then ask God to reveal to you the people that you've said that you would pray for and you haven't. Ask him to reveal to you the things that you should be praying for that you haven't. Take that time to check with God that you've done everything that you should do. And if you're finding it difficult to pray, look through the Bible at some of the prayers that we've got there, some of the prayers of Jesus, some of the prayers for Paul as he prayed for other people. And pray likewise. And as we pray, be bold. Ask God to show you what he wants you to believe him for. So often we pray not believing God's going to answer that prayer. If that's you, ask God to show you what he will bless you with what he will give you, what you can trust him for, and pray that. And ask God to show you his vision for yourself. The dreams or goals that he has for your life and ministry. And more than anything, ask for his wisdom. And yes, journal. Uh, I've said this many times, record what God shows you in light of everything that he says. If a passage of scripture particularly speaks to you, note that down. If God says something to you, even if you don't fully understand it, write that down. If God gives you great words of encouragement, write those down. And your journal becomes something that when you begin to doubt, you've heard me say it before, when you doubt, don't doubt God, doubt your doubts. Go back to your journal. See what God has done previously for you. We've been through a lot of what Israel's done. What does God continually say to the people of Israel? Remember. And that's what he calls us to do as well. Remember. Remember what I've done for you previously. Remember how I've led you. Remember how I've revealed myself to you through my word. And when we go back to our journal and we go through that, we can see the good things that God has done. And it spurs us on to greater works again. God never changes. Let me just close in prayer. I'm going to hand back to the worship team. But again, if you want any of that information, I know that's pretty dry when we're trying to do series like this. Um, but uh, that's where we're at at the moment. And we just like to encourage you um, to get into knowing Christ, knowing the Word, and those types of things. So if you want more information, please email me. I'll get it back to you as soon as I can. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the power of your Word. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ just is such an incredible Lord. He loves us so unconditionally, Lord, and we want to be more like him. So, Father, I pray for each and every one of us. We'll have that desire and passion to study your Gospels, that, Father, we will want to know Jesus more and more each and every day, and that, Lord, you'll call us closer to you as a result, and there'll be so many things that you say to us, Lord, and we put them in our place, that, in the right place in our lives, Lord, and we are changed to be more like you. Father, we want to be committed servants of Jesus. And we want to be that, Lord, not because of who we are, but because of who you are and because of what you've done. So, Father, if there's anyone present who needs more information, if there's anyone present who needs to be prayed for, please bring them forward this evening, Lord, and help us to pray for them. Help us to encourage them 
and even in the conversations we have around supper. Help us to do that as well, Lord, where we build each other up and strengthen each other in the faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.